Today I'm sitting down with my friend Sharon, and we are going to be talking about something that is close to both of our hearts, and that is listening to your inner truth. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Natalie. (laughs) So I want you to share more about how you see this, how you see sharing your inner truth. Inner truth. Inner truth to me is knowing when that higher source, higher power comes into you and helps you on your guided path of knowing what is best for you. The inner truth is basically your intuition, your guidance, kind of that lantern of light that shows you on a pathway of what you need for what you want to create in your world. And in my world, I truly believe that we are so powerful in our individual lives that we create exactly what we want or we don't want and we just don't realize it. Following my inner truth has been quite a journey because I'm definitely old <laughs> than who? <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this way. I was born in the 70s. <laughs> and my journey in going through life truly has been amazing to watch that I am so willing to be down in the dumps and hold limits on myself and having to break out of those limits and how I've had to trust myself, raising my kids, being in a relationship how to navigate through that has always come back to my inner truth. Yeah. It makes a huge difference in our ability to grow is what inner truth is to Mm. me. Listening to you say that takes me back to when I was 19, where I was involved in conversations with people and they had opinions and I found myself saying, I don't know what I think. The realization that I was saying, I don't know what I think had me go, something's wrong here. And so I started asking my heart is how I put it. I would say, okay, if I don't know how I feel about this thing and I make a decision about how I feel about this thing, what then does my heart tell me about that decision? As a 19-year-old, a very naive 19-year-old, that was the most accurate way for me to go, okay, I think I have an answer now. I've always felt as though my heart doesn't speak in words, it speaks in feelings, whereas my mind is super wordy. I feel as though just stopping and saying, okay, if I go with this, what does then my heart feel? How you described it is far more clear than how I experienced it. I think this is pretty much the same thing, is there is something inside of you and you can tune into it. Yes. You can. You can listen. You can like open those inside ears that we ignore that we have and tune in and and go, okay, I think I know Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and we can do this with all kinds of things. I just recently said to somebody, have you muscle tested it when they were saying that they didn't know this or that or what was, uh, uh, and and I said, well, did you muscle test it? And they were like, what? Yeah. Don't even know what it is. If your conscious mind is so loud that you can't listen to your heart, I'll stop for a second. And you know, there's so many ways to muscle test things. One of the ones that is easiest for explaining to people who don't know how is to just cross your arms across your chest and close your eyes, make a decision and keep your eyes closed and try and notice whether or not you start to sway forward or sway backwards. Forwards is a yes, move forward to that decision and backwards is a no. 
don't go toward that decision. I think sometimes we're so caught up in our head that we can't be quiet enough for your inner truth to have any say. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's there and your words in your head are so loud, you can't hear it, even though it's going, hey, yeah, this, this, this. Exactly. The other thing I notice is that a lot of times we decide that this opportunity is right for us and we are in a space of not allowing another option that would be better for us to come our way. And so we're in a controlling situation and we just shut our hearts off. Mm. And then until things fall apart, we're not willing to move. We're not willing to go with what needs to happen until it all falls apart. And, you know, to me, another way that you can know, and it's not a muscle test, but does it flow? I mean, a lot of times... You mean, ask yourself, does it flow? Does it flow? Does it flow? You can ask, does it flow? Does it, as you start to move into that decision that you've made, and you're not sure how controlling you are in your life, because I know as a parent, there are times when I have been so controlling that I couldn't hear anything, but nothing was flowing. And so then it was my sign that says, hey... You're doing it in a way that isn't conducive to your you or your family or those around you. How are you going to change it? Because I was such an apparent mode. A control, control it. To mode. control it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you cannot control anybody. You can only control yourself. So the minute I changed my situation, then I watch for the synchronicities to come into my life that say, oh, this is the right thing for me to do. And I've watched it time and Pieces time. of validation mm-hmm. just appearing, appearing. Yeah. Another one that you can do is, like you said, close your eyes, put a rose out in front of you, and ask a yes question and see what way it bends. Ask a no question, see which way it bends, and then ask the question that you're really interested in. That's another one um, that I've seen. The other thing that and kind of a divergent from this, but I really, really, really believe in I decides or my mom went to some kind of class and she came back and she says, I'm going to teach you I decides. Loved it. I just, well, first of all, I was not for it. It took me a minute because it was really pushing through all my barriers because I didn't want to be in control of my life. I wanted everybody else to tell me the right way to do it. And I've grown up with one autistic son, and then I've got two other typical children. And let me tell you, there is no right or wrong. There is what is best for you. Uh And in my world, this is good for you or this isn't good for you. And you have to still tell me which one of the two is better for you. Uh Because I don't always know. We think we know, but we don't always know. Only the It's refreshing to hear that because I don't believe in right and wrong either. Yeah, no, to me, it's like my right and your wrong might be the exact same thing. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and I, depending I, on you. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Well, and that comes back in my world too. It's, we can never say someone's on a wrong path when they go down this destructive path. And I watched it one time. I watched it with a guy on TV and he was mentoring kids who've been in gangs to get out of gangs. He would not be able to be in that situation to help others who want to get out of that lifestyle if he had not been through it. He cannot get through and reach these individuals in any which way if he hadn't been through it. He has to have that lingo. He has to have that vibe. He has to have 
that no, know where they're is. coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And someone like me, I could not even begin to talk to them and reach them. There's no way. Yeah. Am I right because I didn't go there? Is he wrong because he did go there? No. no. <laughs> they're both our experience and we were in the right place at the right time for the right for our life experience. Yeah. And I think that comes back to trusting our inner truth. Just because you go down that road and you're wondering what and I'm doing, well, maybe you never know what is your goal going to be? Where are you going to be? Yeah. It might be taking you down a road that you may not love. For example, one of the guys I dated, worst thing that ever happened to me. Also the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. Because I cried for three years. Awful experience. But every day I give thanks for him because he makes me appreciate who I did end up marrying and who I do love. And I've had an amazing relationship with him for 25 years because my worst experience taught me to appreciate everything that I had found in the new guy. Yeah. I really like the term really good, bad example. I I try to always notice the really good, bad examples. They are the best learning experiences. And how can you say that's wrong mm-hmm. when they're there? So trust, even if you're in a bad situation, you, that's not opening your heart the way you want it to be done. It's your choice to come back and trust that you can change it mm-hmm. and trust that you have the inner knowledge to know where to go to change that experience as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to admit something, and that is that the term inner truth for me, oh, and I hate using the word anxiety, but it gives me a little bit of anxiety in so much that it's almost like saying there is a truth. It lives inside of you. It is one thing. You have to find it. If you don't find it, you're not on your path. And so in many ways, that is conditioning from my childhood, how I grew up hearing the word truth how I grew up hearing the word inner anything. And so just as our topic being listening to your inner truth, I can admit I totally do this. And at the same time, I don't call it that. Mm-hmm. And and again, this comes right back to nobody's right, nobody's wrong. We always end up finding the words that make the most sense to us. and then And then we take that and then we try and share it with other people. This is how I have figured out this thing, this concept, this whatever. And because I blog and I am always like, hey, so this light bulb came on and this is how I'm feeling and this is what I'm thinking because I'm always trying to find words for it. I'm one of those people that has completely accepted that my best way for finding words to share with you are never going to be your best way for finding words to share with me. Mm -hmm. So even though inner truth doesn't resonate with me, I totally know what you're talking about. In case somebody else listening can admit to this, what words do you associate with an inner truth? Are, are there other synonyms? Yeah. And I think this is a good point because so many words carry so many vibrations for, and they mean different things for different people with different experience. Inner light would be another one. Your inner light, the glowing feeling in your heart mm-hmm. would be another one. Uh, feeling warm and fuzzy would be another one. Intuition, definitely. Yeah. Light and intuition are two that I use often. Yeah. That one would be one. Um, for me, it's golden light. That's how I see it. It's cool. just a, 
a major golden light that just comes out of my heart. And I just, since I've grown it so much, that's how it is for me. There's a word that I tend to keep using a lot lately, and it's kind of a loaded word, and that's construct. And how I see the word construct is kind of like I would see construction. So when you are constructing something, you are building it. And so my inner construct I see as this thing coming together and being built to create me. When something comes in and I'm willing to make it part of my construct, it could be a truth that I have realized. It could be a belief that I have grown up with for a long time. It could be a friendship that has changed the way I'm seeing things. And so for me, maybe my inner truth is the most genuine creation of my construct. Mm-hmm. And and maybe my construct was always there. I don't know. And it just gets polished and polished and polished and fine-tuned and made prettier, you know, whittled yeah. down into the most perfect shape it's supposed to be, whatever that, that is. I don't, I don't really know if shape is the best word, but I think construct is a good one for my understanding of your inner truth. Yeah. Authentic, pure self would be another word that uh-huh. you could use is to, that one's too... I go with inner light. That's uh-huh. just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's where I would yeah. hang out just because that's more fun than authentic, pure self, you know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I do love intuition because I feel as though I'm pretty good with intuition. I'm also a very observant person and I notice a lot of details. And so anytime I can involve intuition, I try to notice it. I try to pay attention to it. Sometimes, like for example, I work in a coffee shop and a lot of people will come in and they have on their face an emotion they're feeling. And I see it, lickety split, I see it. But do I comment on it? Probably 99% of the time, no. I feel it's invasive. Part of me goes, I'm not supposed to see what they're feeling. So that's an invasion. And so rather than be like, Hey, are you okay? You know, cause you know, not everybody wants to answer that question or why do you look like blah, blah, blah. You know, that it's, uh-huh. it's almost like in their mind, they're like, I'm pulled enough together to go in and get a coffee. I look fine, you know, or maybe they're not having a bad day, but they're thinking about something. And for you to go and tell them that you can see it on their face is still not very polite or, you know, it's super invasive. Yeah. And I, and I'm not an invasive person. And so. I try not to do that. But my intuition and the details that are part of me see it. There have been times, like once once this lady came into the coffee shop and she was like one of those regulars that comes every other week. You can guarantee like on a Friday evening, she and her husband would come in for their coffee, whether it was a date night or something, I'm not sure. Well, one day she comes in and she's crying and she's trying so hard to hide it. The husband orders And I can't pick up on the reason, you know, I very rarely would would get a reason. Sometimes stuff like that would fall into my head. But again, that's super invasive. But I just could not let it be nothing because I could feel that it was really something. It was coming toward the end of the night and, you know, pastries are only good for a day. And so I was clearing the pastry case and I thought, I just need to give her some sort of sign that I see her and I care because she's not okay. Yes, she has her husband 
and she's trying really hard to hold it together. You know, they're doing their usual coffee thing. I have a feeling somebody died. I don't know. You know, over a situation like that, there is no fixing anything anyway. Nothing mm-hmm. can be fixed. Right. You know, nobody's going to say something that makes it all better. Right. You know, I can't remember what pastry it was. I heated it up and, and I took it over to her. And I can't even remember what I said. But I just said tiny enough to let her know I care. And not enough to let her know I needed any information. Mm-hmm. Or that I was in her face about her upset. A few weeks later, uh, there was an envelope at work with my name on it, and it was a thank you card from her. Aww. And she didn't, again, say why she was crying, but she said how huge that was for her in her moment of not being okay for me to show compassion. Compassion wasn't even the word at the forefront of my mind. And yet that's exactly what it was, is I care about this lady. I see her on a regular basis and she's not okay today. And I just want her to know I care about her being okay. That tiny little thing of going, I can't leave it alone. That intuition of just do something. No, I wasn't going to rock her world in any, in any form, but I still listened and then found out later, I'm really glad I did because that mattered to her. It mattered. Yes. And I think that's the piece that we need to pay attention to. Really, your intuition is kind of like that emotional body to me is what I would call it. In your emotional body, you're feeling the feelings. You're seeing the emotions on their face would be the physical piece. But the intuition... The inner light, it's that communication piece of saying, I feel you, and we feel everybody. I mean, our auras are big, Mm -hmm. and they interact with each other, and you're feeling everything, and we're just been so taught to be, pay attention to physical, pay attention to physical, pay attention to physical, that we forget that the emotions are straight right there in front of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge point. Intuition is our emotions talking to the other person's emotions. It's huge. And I'm going to throw this in. It is the piece that builds connection. And so listening to our intuition is huge on building connection, building relationships, and building the bridge to the space of not feeling all alone. I think a lot of us have a tendency to feel alone, but it's because we close off our emotions. Mm -hmm. When we open up and we're willing to trust that feeling and walk that bridge over, we build the connection. And I would say that because having had a child with autism, that's how I have built my relationship with him and got him from, he doesn't even know where his body is and he wasn't really in it. They're in such sensory overload emotionally and physically that basically their spirits cannot even come into their body, that they kind of sit off to the side or up above or wherever it goes, literally helping calm down my emotions, clearing out my crap so that he could come in and stay there so that he could learn how to start to function in today's world. I think we all need to be very aware of our emotions so we literally can start to create connections, relationship, community, friendships, lasting friendships, and start treating each other with more respect and kindness and love. I mean, it just changes the whole foundation of this planet to peace instead of war. Mm -hmm. And we're not looking at people as good or bad. We're looking at them as 
individuals who are amazing beings just being on the planet. We're so glad they're here. Yeah. And we don't even care where they've been, what they've done. That's how we change it. Because yeah. we're looking at our in, reaching through our intuition and talking to them from feeling to feeling. Yeah. And that's huge in my world. I'm regularly trying to champion individuality. And because I have so many young friends, I'm always saying, you need to be you and you need to rock being you because nobody else is like you. And I think you're awesome to know. I want to keep having a friendship with you. And if you try to be like so-and-so, or you think you're not good enough because you aren't like such and such, you're not being you and I don't get to enjoy you. A friend of mine used a term the other day. I'm almost interrupting my thought, but he's an amazing artist. Like it doesn't matter what you put in his hands, whether it's a computer, a camera, a pencil, a pen. I mean, it doesn't matter what you put in his hands, he can create. And he's so talented. And he was praising this other musician. I think that's the only thing he doesn't do is play music. He can do everything else. And I was like, you're describing yourself. As you described that musician, how amazing you think he is, you're describing yourself. And he said, actually, I have imposter syndrome. I had heard that term ages ago, and it never really went in. But in that moment, I heard it more than I've ever heard it before. And I went, I wonder if that's not so much a, a syndrome as part of the human condition. Definitely. Because everybody's always going, I'm not this good enough. I'm not that good enough. I'm not blah, blah, blah. And they put down their skills and their talents. Hell, I did it for years before I wrapped my head around what self-esteem was and how to have it. And that there was no point in putting myself down anymore. Mm -hmm. um, a story that I told somebody recently, and it, it fits right now, is when I was, I think I was around 20, a friend said to me, tell me what you like about yourself. She knew I had self-esteem issues. So it was, you know, it wasn't just out of the blue. And I sat and thought and thought and thought. And I said, I like my earrings. Even hearing myself say that, I was like, you realize, Natalie, those aren't part of you. You like your earrings. Like, that's not even you. you mm -hmm. She asked what you like about yourself. And it was that bad that I couldn't choose anything, but admittedly also didn't know myself. I think we assume we know who we are because we are ourselves. Yes. And we don't. Life is like a constant. If I live to be 200, I will still be learning who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, totally. Because we're always changing too, mm -hmm. you know? Hell, your favorite color tends to change even as life goes on, as fashion changes, you know, as just using my house as an example, you know, I haven't always had the same paint color up on the walls. Right, <laughs> right. So anyway, back to imposter syndrome. I think it's very possible that we all have it to some degree and we have to just wrap our heads around it. You're not an imposter, you're you. Right. You're pretty amazing. And I would like to get to know you. And I don't care who you are, unless you convince me you're an awful person and I don't want to get to know you. Because, you know, there are those people too. And I'm happy to walk in the other direction. I'm not going right. to change you. You you be a miserable thing, whatever. Uh -huh. um, I'm going to go and find the people who want to show me they're awesome and want to be themselves and who create their art you know, and to hear anyone doing that feels a bit of an imposter. I'm just like, no, no, no. How do I stop you? How do I stop you seeing it like that? Right. Because 
you're amazing and it should go in. Yeah. Well, and on that, what he can do with his artistic ability fills your soul and your heart in so many ways. The musician can do it with his music and you, we need both. They're both amazing gifts and they both feed our emotional bodies in ways that if they weren't there, we would be without. Mm-hmm. And every single person on this planet has that gift in some way. Whether you're the next Steve Jobs or you were the guy who made the recycling system come alive. We need both. You don't have to be the greatest musician or the greatest artist. We really need what you have to offer because what you have to offer fills our soul in so many different ways and we can grow. Mm-hmm. Our souls can grow and grow and grow and grow. So we can meet every person on the planet and gain something from who they are and be blessed to have more of who they are when they're authentic and truly grateful for what their gifts are. Mm-hmm. It makes such a difference. Yep. And I'm going to go ahead and throw out there, even if you just choose to make coffee, not, not to build myself up, but I see and even little things like that. And I see it in my coworkers, you know, we're all quote unquote making coffee, but what we're doing at the end of the day is we are interacting with one another, with you who comes to get a cup of coffee, with each other who's also making coffee. We're all doing things on a constant basis. However small your role is, you're still having an effect on people. Well, and let's take it one step further. But autistic children with autism and even ADHD feel it at a deeper level. You walk into your coffee shop, you all get along, you're all happy. What is that individual with high sensories feeling? They're feeling all your happiness, all you're getting along. Well, then you turn around and you make a cup of coffee for somebody who's maybe having a bad day. And you turn around and you put all that happiness and all that joy and all that excitement into a cup of coffee. No big deal. You know, we all think of nothing of it. Well, then they drink that joy, that happiness, those feelings, because they went right into it. I mean, that's why we all love Thanksgiving dinner. Because of love that goes into it. You yeah. Know? And then you just walked out. And not only did they get to have an environment of being talked to and treated like they were an amazing individual in the coffee shop, they got to drink it and feel it and heal their body with it. And all you did was make a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. All the little things that we do every day mm-hmm. make a big difference in somebody else's life. Mm-hmm. And we just think we're just here. Yeah. We're just a dot on the map. I heated something in the oven the other day for somebody. And the way I like to heat it when I'm eating it is how I heated it for her. And I went ahead and said, she, she told me, if you do it like this, if you cook it like this, then it ends up like this. And I, and she was like trying to explain, I, I realized that it's a little bit extra work for you, but because it ends up being so much nicer, I'd appreciate it if you would cook it like this. And I said to her, you know what? I love this thing that I'm heating for you also. And I have found that there's a really good trick to making it just right. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to heat it how I like it heated. And then you tell me what you think. If it doesn't turn out, if it ends up too dry to, you know, whatever, you let me know. And I'll just do it over and we'll do it how you suggested. Because, you know, my way isn't the only way. Right. 
So that was the goal is to see if she might also like it with the trick. You know, I've, I've worked in this coffee shop for nearly six years and I know this item of food quite well. So I heat it. I take it to her and immediately she shouted across the room. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, it turned out that's good. And she's like, Oh my gosh, this is the best I've ever had. And I said, there could be that extra element of love in there because I did, you know, give it time and attention. And she goes, oh my gosh, this is the best I've ever had. What a perfect way to start my day. Yeah. And all of this because I understood that she wanted it cooked a specific way. And I have gone through that before and figured out how to cook it and then wanted to. And then I didn't do it like, oh, I know better than you. I was like, you know, I have found the same thing that it needs to be cooked a little bit finicky like. So what if we try doing this thing? And if not, because her way was turning the oven on multiple times. And if it makes it easier for her to order in the future by doing it my way, well, that makes her life easier as well. Of course. You know, so anyway, that was way too long of a story. But no, no, no. But look, the piece on that to even go even further with it, that's so amazing is you did it your way, which was your gift of who you authentically are, turned around, gave it to her, gave a, a piece of who you are to her. She turned around and went, this is the best day ever, starting my day off better. How many people were affected by the sweetness of Natalie's authenticity, of knowing what works for her, and she shared it with somebody else, and it made the whole day go smoother, not only for Natalie, but for those around us. Everybody wins. Everybody wins when we're like that. That's why we have to be our individual selves. We need to start listening to our feelings and honor our truth, honor that authenticity to no other. It's just so important. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, you just reminded me that when somebody walks in the room and they have a terrible mood, you can feel it coming off of them. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with happiness. Yeah. You can even just stand near somebody and speak to them and you're going to benefit from their happiness, their joy, their good mood, their whatever. I mean, hell, that lady was shouting it across the room at me and I could feel it, you know? Well, and then how many other people in that whole restaurant are like, oh, I want what she has, you know? <laughs> so then all of a sudden you probably had, an, what do you call it? When A spike? A spike. There we go. A spike in people wanting what she had because they all want to feel good. We all want to feel good. Yeah, we do. And it makes a big difference. And we want to share more of that in the world because you gave her that, even though it's just in a coffee shop. Well, the guy with the musician can do the exact same thing with his music and somebody else can do that. Well, you know, mm-hmm. what if... You are the person who can make the best chocolate chip cookies out there. And you want to share them with the world. And you did. Mm -hmm. What are you doing for people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's chocolate chip cookies and you think nothing of it. Go buy some other sister. Nobody nobody should be minimizing. That's kind of the point of what I was saying earlier is it doesn't matter whether you're Steve Jobs or not. No, it doesn't. You are affecting the world based on who you are, whether you're doing anything important or not important. Hell, heating a piece of food in an oven and putting milk and coffee in a cup does not change the world. But guess what? It does does change change the the world. world. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about that, you could create a place 
with parents with, who have children with autism and very sensitive kids. I mean, there's a whole bunch of sensitives out there. You guys can create that environment that they could actually bring their children. Those individuals can come to you and partake of what you have to offer that they can't go everywhere else and get. Mm-hmm. They have to be very, very careful. So with you guys just being in that wonderful work environment, it changes everything for everybody around us in all different ways. We are like sponges. Yes. We really are. Yes. And if you're aware that your sponge is squeezing, <laughs> you know, whatever is coming out of your holes being squeezed, other people are going to soak up. Yeah. Just by nature of life. Exactly. Dr. Becky Bailey uses joy juice. When we share joy with somebody else, you enhance and you give them natural, all the stuff that we try and go get off of drugs, you get off of joy. Just being in joy, you get dopamine and, oh, she lists off like six different things that you get that are major chemicals for our body just because we shared joy. Mm-hmm. And we need more of that. We need it in our food. We need it in our water. We need it in our any type of well-being. In our air. In our air, in our homes. We need it. Yeah. And to make our world a better place. Yeah. So. We totally should have done this right in the beginning, but um, you mentioned the direction you're taking things with your Facebook Live, is it called? Oh, yeah. No, I have a website, and I'm doing Facebook Lives. And Okay. I didn't even know if I was using the right term, because I stay off of Facebook, and so (laughs) let's talk about that, because the fact is, you are who we're sitting here talking with, and so what are you doing? What are you into? You know, tell me more about your website. Oh, okay. So I have created a website called ConnectingTenderHearts.com. And what it is, is it's really to help moms and dads learn how to connect with their child with autism, but also with their typical children. And it's coming at it from the emotional standpoint, the emotional intelligence standpoint, then into the physical uh, I think so many people come at it from the physical and they see what's broken. But if we come at it from an emotional standpoint, then it's helping moms and dads get into a space of their inner light, their inner truth, being authentic and starting to move to a place where they're calming down their inner feelings and getting rid of their fears, their anxieties. And I'm really there to help support them to become more hopeful and to help them raise children that have a confidence that can have a future because mm-hmm. right now it's kind of scary to have it to even bring children into the world yeah it, it feels really really scary and my goal is to help parents start to find the good and so that one parent at a time we start changing the world we start bringing more peace we start bringing more uh, awareness of love into our family units and then it builds out into our communities and our neighbors and then we take it out into the cities and then out into the states and then countries and so forth. It's really to start helping parents really at an intuition level start reaching their children nonverbal, verbal and typical because mm-hmm. we're, we're exhausted. Um, it's almost too simple to believe that you as a parent putting yourself in a healthy space, mentally, emotionally, physically, putting yourself in that healthy space has a huge effect for your autistic child. And so it's possibly a new concept for many to hear it put that way. 
making you healthy so that your child finds it easier to be healthy rather than because most parents, when they have a child with a problem, doesn't even matter what the problem is. They're like, oh, no, I got to fix that. I've got to right. deal with that. This is an issue. This blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, it, and it's turning away from the self to be looking at something that isn't okay, which just makes you less okay. So how I visualized it when you said it was, no, we got to start right here inside yourself. Yes. If you're good and you're okay and you can reach healthy and you're in that ideal space of emotional intelligence or, well, in that ideal space of healthy. Right. In as many aspects as possible, you then have a child who is able to be and how you described it earlier was entering themselves. Right. Instead of being, uh, I'll say, fragmented. Good way to put it. Good way to put it. Mm -hmm. So so it's kind of like your wholeness allows their wholeness. Exactly. Exactly. When I had my first son 22 years ago, oh my gosh, I was in tons and tons and tons and tons of fear, tons of anxiety. If I were still in that space... I probably would still have a flip phone. PayPal, I would never get onto PayPal. Oh no, that would be so bad. You can't have PayPal. You know, credit cards, I'd be one of those. I'd be a major, major, major introvert instead of someone who's going out there and saying, hey, let's change this. Let's find some security. Let's find some safety within our own family and in our own lives so that we can become more of who we are. But it's also taken me to have a child with autism to move mm -hmm. out of that fear, move out of that anxiety, you know, afraid to answer the door. And now I can have people come to the door. I don't really care for them, but I have the guts to say very kindly, thank you. I really appreciate that, but no, thank you. I can do it in a loving way that mm -hmm. I was never able to before. And all my little experiences, my goal is to do that with whether they're family, it doesn't matter, which can be very, very difficult, or whether it is a stranger, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. They're both going to get treated with love and respect. Nice. But <laughs> it's taken me a long time to get mm -hmm. to that space. And I had to let go of all that fear, all that anxiety, and not push people away to bring them closer to me mm -hmm. and being willing to allow them to be in my space. Yeah. When we get to that space, we love having people around. Yeah. I just had a visual come to me when you said that. So you know how we all have those idols that mm -hmm. we're like, oh my gosh, so-and-so is so amazing. And we put them on a pedestal and we have the reasons for seeing them as so amazing. And often it has everything to do with your own tastes, you know, right. what an amazing voice that person has. When they sing, they speak to everything inside me or what an amazing artist that is. If I could paint, that is exactly how I would wish I could paint, you know? Exactly. So we have these pedestals that we have some people on. And the reality is, if you allowed yourself to get to know every person, you would have a lot more pedestals because you would have a lot more information. And everybody has such greatness that you can't necessarily see or hear. They aren't necessarily singing. They aren't necessarily painting. Mm. They aren't doing anything that at face value you know about. 
but they might be amazing and you might want them on a pedestal. So get to know them. Exactly. Well, just like that guy in the, that went through the gang thing. Holy cow. What has he been through to be able to turn around and teach those individuals? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I have an individual that I know who is, um, been on drugs. He's doing the exact same thing where he's starting to teach people how to get off drugs. But if he hadn't been through that, he is not as effective as someone who has. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing. And that's strength. Mm -hmm. And if we can see that on every individual from where they've come from to where they are, mm -hmm. and then you're like, whoa, look how amazing this planet is with how amazing people are. It's crazy. Yeah. I think what many of us need to accept is you feel vulnerable when you're showing people yourself. You know, mm -hmm. it feels like in a way you're getting naked and letting people see who you are. The reality is you aren't getting naked. You're the only one feeling that. Right. It's what, a belief. Yeah. What they're seeing when you're feeling vulnerable, they're usually seeing brave. Yes. Bravery. Courage, strength. Yeah. If we could just stop insisting, I'm vulnerable, I'm weak, what I'm in this moment feeling is what they're seeing, and instead go, no, I'm being me. This doesn't need to be scary. I can show me to other people. They're going to benefit or like me because I'm willing to do that. Not like me less because I'm naked. You know, it's right. no, mm -hmm. you just feel naked. You aren't. Right. Well, and we want, honestly, as an individual, that's who I want to see. I want to see that brave, courageous yeah, they might be completely... They're not feeling brave and courageous. Right. But you're seeing it. But I'm seeing uh -huh. it. And I love that piece. I love the individuality. I mean, I don't want him like Joe Smo. I want who you are because I want to reap the benefits of what you have to offer. Every person has a gift. Every person has a gift. What it is, it's amazing what they are. I'm just realizing with my son, I mean, I never thought he would mount to anything. Seriously. And right now, he is getting compliments of how well he is to train somebody else in doing a job who needs a lot of help in training. Hmm. His individual ability to work with him and talk with him is a huge gift. Yeah, maybe one individual, but that's amazing, mm -hmm. you know? So what is yours? What is your individual thing? And what happens is, is your inner light, your inner truth, it comes out and it shines like no other. And it's crazy good. Mm -hmm. And we all want more of that on the planet. All yeah, of us. Yeah. So yeah, shine, shine, shine. Exactly. I call myself someone with too many interests. And I have too many ideas, too many interests. Like I'm, I'm just super scattered. I have my thumb in a million pies. I concentrate on almost nothing because I'm doing so <laughs> many things. If I were to really say I do concentrate on anything, yeah, I concentrate on writing. I do spend a lot of time writing. So what is my gift as one of the things that I was thinking when you were talking, and it sounds corny as hell to say, but I think my gift is just being Natalie. Yeah. You know, it's that basic. I don't do anything really amazing. I just do a lot of things. So what is my gift? Hopefully being me, because I have finally figured out who I am, not as a dead end, but okay. This is the road I'm on. Okay. I know who I am. I know my road. And that's what I can concentrate on. And that, I hope, is my gift. 
It's just the ability to be entirely me for anyone and everyone. Of course, it's exactly what we all need. And because the little bit of pieces of the pie that you have your fingers in, in different ways, they benefit everybody. And it's a gift. I mean, when I walk in, I'm like, whoa, look at how you know this. And whoa, look at how you know that. And look at what. So I feel like, oh, for someone like me who may not know anything in whatever area you've dabbled in that I'm interested in, you're a great place to start. Now, if I want to go be a major artist in a Picasso or something, of course, again, I want to go get art lessons. Mm -hmm. But you are a great place to start to give me the confidence to build on what I really want to learn. That's a gift because you're always going to start somewhere. And if I had the confidence to get out of my little I'm not good enough spot, you know, that little when we go to that negative self-talk to somebody who you feel comfortable to walk out and say, hey, help me out here, Mm -hmm. you know. It's a huge gift because that is the helping hand that we all need in the moment. You are that angel. The minute you need it, you are being what that individual needs. Hmm. And you never know. You never know what that angel, when you are that angel. And you're so grateful for those moments. Yeah, that's true. So you can't ever doubt that you're not doing anything that isn't valuable. because And important. And important because it is valuable and important to somebody. Yeah. Awesome point. Yeah. Even if you don't think you're doing anything, that same person at the subway on the bus every day, it's a comfort zone. If you're riding the bus every day and you see someone else doing it, ah, I'm in my spot. I'm good. Yeah. It's just a comfort. And all you did was get on the bus. Yeah. It's important. True. We need each other. We matter. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we all matter. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. We just solved the world. (laughs) <laughs> we put the world to rights. There we go. <laughs> oh.